visitors because it was great to see this side so packed out this morning. We were talking about taking another row out to make y'all sit up a little farther. Did y'all come just to make sure Ron got here this morning? Yeah? I tell you, you know what happened? I asked him to do something for me, do a one little con carpenter project. Wouldn't take him any time at all, knowing his skill level. And the very next day, he goes and plays with a prairie dog. Do some people do anything to get out of working for the preacher, you know? Glad you're here. I'm talking to you. Glad you're here. <laughs> uh, some, some people are just characters, you know? Uh, Mike didn't mention that. Tell me if I say it right. Arena? is in the hospital at Fairmont General, fallen and hit her head, got out of the hospital, and now is having some heart problems and had, had to go back. Room 302. If anybody would like to visit her, she's 302 at Fairmont General. Y'all don't have to come and visit me. For those of you that haven't heard, our wonderful system canceled my surgery. Went through all the pre-ops and got the, I got the bruises to prove the blood test and everything. And on Monday, we spent half the day in Clarksburg at the VA hospital. And Tuesday afternoon, I'm sitting upstairs studying, and the phone rings, and my doctor calls and says, and you know something's wrong when your doctor calls, and he takes you down this rabbit trail and around this bush and out that rabbit trail and out another bush. And finally, I said, what's wrong? He said, well, we're canceling your surgery. So we're still waiting to figure out when this is going to happen. But someday, somewhere along the way, probably after Christmas, because I don't want to be gone uh, during the holidays. I don't want to be gone at all. And we want to thank you for your prayers uh, for us while we traveled. We did between five and 6,000 miles. And uh, no problem. Uh, Fran Tate, sitting by Sharon, she's a good friend from... Arizona, I introduced her as an old friend the other day, and she got mad at me, so I won't say that she's an old friend, just a long-time friend. Uh, helped Sharon drive the, the new car out while I drove the truck and trailer, and she said, hey, compared to the last trip, so uh, thank you for your prayers. We're going to talk about an interesting topic this morning. If you look at your bulletin, it says, requirements of the officers in the church. And when I got done making my notes, I realized I can't do this. I can't, I can't speak on this. We're only going to talk about one of the offices because there's too much to cover to do two offices. And then I, it was the first Sunday, so I thought we were doing communion, but I walked in and it wasn't here, so we're going to do it tonight. So we will get it in. But there are two distinct offices. And we're going to look at the first one today and the second one next week. But how many of you really have ever thought about wanting to be an officer in anything? And were there any any of our military guys officers, or were we all enlisted? Oh, he was an officer? I better be careful. <laughs> you were enlisted. Okay. All right. He's back there pointing. He was... CEOs, 
chief operating officers, um, heads of companies, you know, everybody wants to be something, right? Be the boss. But in, in God's house and in the church, we have to be careful about serving. Did you know that? A lot of people want to serve, want to want that position in a church. And I got to tell you, I really like James chapter three. And there's there's a warning here for us, but but I, I like it because it says, my brethren, not, not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Whew. So if you want to be a teacher in the church, you got to be careful because it says, knowing we shall receive a stricter judgment. But then verse 2, I like verse 2. We always, see, we talked this morning in Sunday school, you can't take just one verse, you got to look at how it is in there. It says verse 2, For we all stumble in many things, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. The other word is we all sin. Instead of stumble, we all sin. We all make mistakes. Anybody here ever not made a mistake?
but both of the offices have one thing in common, one goal, and the goal is to further the kingdom of God. Okay? There's, there's requirements, and I'm going to read this, I'm going to read this because I don't want to, I don't want to misquote it or misstate it. This is a direct quote from Dr. Rodmacher's book, Dr. Alan Rodmacher, from Nelson's new illustrated Bible commentary nelson publishing it says in discussing how to behave in the house of god now we look at why paul wrote this letter the letter of first timothy that's where we're actually going this morning um, chapter three that we need to have god's house in order the way that god set it up for the church to be run is what paul's telling timothy how he should do in discussing how to behave in the house of God, Paul now turns to the leader. There are two scriptural offices of the church, the bishop, pastor, or overseer, and deacon. The overseer, pastor, or preacher of the gospel is to live by the gospel. This is his calling. The deacon serves in the church that does not live by the service. Now, he is the Nowhere told that he is that he is called to this and being living. There's, there are no double standards of Christian living. We ought to be true to every believer. Must be true, and it must be true of leaders in the house of God. It's very proper to have standards of conduct for leaders in the local church. And here is a good list to go by. Bishop. This Greek word refers to a person who oversees a congregation. In many New Testament passages, the Greek word for bishop and elder are used interchangeably for the same office. The Greek term means one who oversees. And in the New Testament, elders are described as overseers overseeing a congregation. And you can look at Acts chapter 20. There's a couple different verses there. And the elders of the church of Ephesus are called overseers. Elders were responsible for the internal affairs of the church, and there seem to have been several elders in the position of responsibility in any given congregation. We look in Acts chapter 14 and Titus chapter 1. And after New Testament times, it became the custom to appoint one elder as the presiding elder and to give him the title of bishop. Now, I never want you to call me bishop, okay? That's the little paper thing, if you do that. Right? If you want to do that, I'll have to wear the little paper thing come, come Sunday. Just, what's that? Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Y'all would think I'd really gone off the deep end if I did that. But, but the job of overseeing. And I tell you, we had this discussion with our daughter just the other day before I even worked on this. She's in a church that they don't have a pastor. I, I didn't hear you, Mary, but she'll tell me later. They have never, actually one time they hired a pastor and it didn't work. Their church was founded on a biblical principle of elders 
and deacons or elders and trustees. The elders all have to meet the scriptural qualifications that I'm going to show you today to be considered an elder. And they don't appoint just anybody to be an elder. And they meet the qualifications, and you'll see when we go through this how that works. And they have found it works very well for them. But if a church is started where they have a pastor and a board of deacons or board of trustees or board of elders, however you want to call it, help come alongside of the pastor, to change that is really difficult. But this church was started and said we'll never have a pastor. We will have teaching elders. They went to scripture and looked at that. And they function very well. And for them, it works really well. When they take on a new missionary, and they are not one of our supporting churches, but when they take on a new missionary, they support them for 50%. Because out of their tithes of offerings, they're able to do that because they're not One commentator I read this week said there are 16, and if you want to write them down, 16 qualifications given for elders in the church. And we're going to go through that list. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, This is a faithful saying, If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Another way, and I think King James said, This is a true saying. Uh, in other words, it stood the test of time. From the early church, there were elders and deacons it has stood the test of time as long as it's done right. This is how it should be done. It says, if a man desires the office of a bishop, it means that he seeks that job. If he seeks the job of a, of a pastor or deacon. He's given some thought to this. This isn't something. Oh, I want to I be a carpenter today, so I'll go buy a whole bunch, I'll go down to Lowe's and buy a whole bunch of tools, and that makes me a carpenter, right? think a person who wants to go into the ministry? I didn't. I was old when I, I mean, we've done ministry, a lot of different types of ministry, but as far as being a pastor, my mother, my mother used to say, she went home to be with the Lord in 96, she used to say, someday you'll pastor a church in West Virginia. She wanted me to pastor this little church out in the middle of nowhere. It's the only thing there now is a piece of dirt before the building now. But she thought I would someday move back here and move out there in that hall. Pastor this little country church. No idea. You know, when I was in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and my 50s, that I would someday be in West Virginia. But actively seeking God's will. We went Bible college in the 70s. So it's been a long time before I ever went into that position. And I understand why. If you knew me when I was in my 20s, or my 30s, or probably my 40s, I'm a translate, you know, I, we've been friends for almost 30 years. So yeah, she's known me since I was in those days. I couldn't scripturally meet the qualifications. And I am so thankful that James tells us that we make mistakes. Because I'm standing here, I'm not perfect. 
I know different other than God's called me to this position. God's given us a gift. We talk about the gifts that God's given us. If God's giving you the gift of leadership and of leadership, you ought to be using it. You ought to be doing it. If He hasn't given you that gift, He hasn't given you that ability, then don't go after it. You will be a failure. I've served on church boards. I've been in positions of eldership where, and I've asked y'all, if you know somebody that you think would make a good leader in the church, let me know. We have elections coming up. Not just government, but we have church elections coming up. And we need to rebuild more here because I can't do it all. Y'all know each other way better than I do. But if a person's not qualified, they need to say, I'm not qualified. And we used to use a chalkboard method. Really kind of dumb. The guys would throw names out, we'd write them on a chalkboard, and then after all the names were on this board, and we'd come up with that's a larger church, and somebody would say, well, no, so-and-so's not qualified because this is going on in their life or something. They can erase or erase their name. There were a couple times I said, you can't put this person in that position. They're not qualified. And I'm pretty loud, but I wasn't loud enough sometimes to make it be known that I was right. Sometimes they thought it was dead. Like, you know, Mike Martin, because he, I don't know, whatever. No, that wouldn't be it. And within a year of that person being put into that position, they would resign. See what happens when you sit way up front, Mark? So <laughs> you put someone in who's not qualified, sufficient has been misinterpreted, reinterpreted by different groups. The Episcopal Church has a form of government where the bishop is in charge as overseer or superintendent, like the superintendent of school. Uh, in the early church, the pastor was called by several, di several different titles, presbyter, uh, elder, Pastor, which means shepherd, one who leads and cares for the flock, bishop, overseer, or a minister. Uh, we actually know, have someone in California that sends me letters once in a while, and it drives me crazy. You know what he, how he addresses the letter to me? And he kind of knows me. He puts congregations in California, and there was a, a young guy from China who attended the Chinese church, and he would come by and he'd go, good morning, Father, and that was his address to me, because that's how he was written. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 you got this confused. That title's reserved for God, but in his culture, it 
because I was the senior pastor of the church that owned the facility. I was up here a little bit more than him. And I couldn't get it to Mark either. Over and over. But, you know, Paul founded a number of churches, and he never spoke of himself as a bishop. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where Paul referred to himself as a bishop of the church or as one who was ruling a church in any way. Paul was there to instruct. The minister's there to serve. I'm here to serve as your pastor. I'm not here as a dictator. I'm not here to rule over you. You ever been in a church where right right here there's a gavel? You ever seen that? Have you? Somebody. Y'all don't get out much. There are pastors who when they start a business meeting, they'll have a gavel and they'll rap on the pulpit because they're in charge. No, they're not. God's in charge. This is God's house. I had a discussion with someone this week. I don't even know. They called me. I'm like, this is not the church. We are the church. We collectively come here together as a body of believers to worship God together. And I I told this person, I said, when I walk through that door, I wear a hat all the time. When I walk through that door, I take my hat. That's what that's how I was taught. You respect this house. This is not the The other thing we don't do here because it's God's house. But I'm not here to dictate. That's why I need a board to come alongside to help guide us in the direction in the direction that we're going. It should be this way, right? Or this way? Not this way. Because if we're going this way, we're not together. That verse says he also desires a good work. He's seeking a place where he can serve. I want to serve. And somebody said, how long are you going to be in West Virginia? I don't know. I bet if you ask Fran, he came out with Sharon last week. Well, with us. She'll tell you that we're planning on buying it in West Virginia. Unless God moves me somewhere else, I don't plan on doing I like it. Mary, do you know every time I got up during the middle of the night, I looked out to see. The weatherman said it was supposed to snow, and I looked outside. And there's one little place on the road that was whiter than everything else, and I realized there was a street light out there. I, but I can't. All night long, I looked outside to see if. Then got up this morning, and I clicked Sharon's phone on the weather channel. Ah, oh, it's 39. It can't snow yet. I've lived where there's snow, Mary. Okay, 16 things. We're given here in this, this chapter uh, requirements of an elder and things that he ought to be. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, a bishop must be blameless. Um, things that we have to understand. It. I'm going to get blamed for stuff. Every pastor does. But if you're holding that office in the church, what's important is that the accusations are not true. A lot of people will say things 
and tell stories or gossip about a pastor or the deacon that are not true. Y'all know, I'm not telling any secrets, there's been a problem here. You know what? I've heard about seven different stories. I still don't know what happened. I kind of got it, but I've heard seven different stories about what's happened. But an elder must be, be blameless in the sense that he will not be found guilty of anything which he's been accused of. The husband of one wife. A lot of different interpretations on this. Most of there's two. And it could mean that he ought to be married. And I think that's what Paul had in mind here. And some of you say, well, Paul was never married. Well, Paul probably was married. Because he was a member of the Sanhedrin. And to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you have to be married. His wife probably died. And he probably chose not to be married. But what it... I think, for me, the primary meaning here is that the pastor shouldn't have two wives. Because in that day, historically, polygamy and bigotry was really big. Paul saying, husband of one wife. Some translations, some commentators say, a one-woman kind of man. You have one woman. And we were discussing what would happen if I would ever die. And Sharon said this, but we, we laughed. We heard this group on a video one time. These three older ladies were talking to Mark Lowry. They were talking to Mark Lowry, and they said, We don't ever plan on getting married again. He says, It took us long enough to train the first one. We don't have that much time. Anyway. Pastor of the church. Um, it says temperate um, or vigilant. Um, to be a man who knows how to keep his cool. I'm glad I'm not perfect because that's one of the areas I've never had to work on. And most of the time it's over a sin issue. You know, you're dealing with counseling. Actually, I, I, I've got a guy who's my Timothy, long distance now. He used to be about 10 minutes apart, and I was wondering if I put him on the park. And he'll call me. He called me this week for advice. And I'll give him the advice, and a month later he'll go, I got this problem. And I'll, and I'll tell me the problem. And I'll say, didn't we talk about this last month? Yeah. Did you do what I told you to do? No. Then why are we going back there again? You know? Another guy, I saw him at Men's Retreat when we were in California. Having family issues. He's the strongest believer. He's the oldest brother, the strongest believer in the family. After his mother's death. A year ago, when I got out of the hospital, I sat for hours and tried to help him figure out how to manage and bridge it with his family. He came to me this week for a few weeks ago when we were there. He goes, let me tell you what's happening. And when he got all done, I said, well, how much is what I said to you? 
come to us for advice and then you don't listen to you don't do it. I have a hard time. It says the next thing is uh, sober minded uh, or serious. Mean business. That's not what it says. It says we've got to be about God's business. Our focus needs to be about God's business. And I tell you, I thought of this morning as going over my notes. And y'all don't know him, but we had a professor at Bible college. He wore the same black suit every day of the week. But his Bible looked like a family Bible. It really did. Bible teacher, you had to be able to understand him. He was born in Ireland. He was a longshoreman. He worked the docks until God got hold of his life. He's in his 30s when he gets saved. And you know, when we were invited, I don't know how old he was when we went there, but he could quote cover to cover word perfect in And not just here. He had a heart knowledge. I said, how did you do that, Dr. Mitchell? I read it. I reread it. And I reread it. And that was his philosophy. How did you get to know it? I had a buddy went to him and says, what are you here for? And he goes, well, I don't want to know what God's will is for my life. And he said, well, if that's what you're paying to go to school for, you need to get your money back. John goes, well, what? And he said, you want to know what God's will is for your life? Go home, sit down with your Bible and read it. God will show you. See, now what are you really here for? He told him something. Get your money back. See, you're in the wrong place. He said, you need to be studying God's Word. So Dr. Mitchell, when he walked into class, he had every freshman spiritual life. No test. This was your book. It had to be big. Dr. Mitchell. And you would have thought the man other than the fact that he taught us his songs to hear him the past two years. And oh my son, the way he did. But when you got him outside of the classrooms, social setting, he was a fun person. But when he was in the pulpit, he was preaching to the And that's what this means. He should be serious. I think people out there have the wrong idea of people in here. That once you get saved, oh, that's not so. We should be the most joyous and happy people on the face of the earth because we know we're not going to be here long. But the world looks at us and looks at us. The fifth thing that we're supposed to be is of good behavior. That's why I, you know, I couldn't ever even thought of that. But an elder should be orderly in his conduct. Doesn't do questionable things. I believe that the leadership of the church, whether you're a pastor, elder, a deacon, what you do is be above reproach. 
the hospitality. The New King James says hospitable. I love hospitality. I love that. Keeping track, that's number seven. what it means is don't go around being a drunk. Not, not a striker or not violent. You can't go around punching. See, I told you, that's why you can't make that fist. He said, I can't make a fist. I said, you're not supposed to be punching anybody else. He's trying to hold it up. Yeah. That's what it means. We're not supposed to be violent people. Not greedy for money. I think the King James says, not greedy, a filthy lucre. You shouldn't have the love of money. The love of money is a root of all evil, we're told in Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. The way church officers handle money, handles his money, can lead him a great deal of trouble. If you can't manage your money well, how are you going to manage God's money? I mean, I look, Jenny gives me a, a budget or a financial report, and I look at it. And when I find something that goes, I'll ask her about it. Where did this come from? As part of an overseer's job, if you're ahead of a company, you better know where your money's going. Right? You don't keep track of you. You don't keep track of where all your money is going. How long are you going to keep too? What? Not too long. That's right. And we've known pastors. I got a I got a friend in California. I saw him a couple weeks ago. He gets paid. One dollar a year by his church. So that's all they have. Well, that's all they're willing to give it. But he lives in a parchment for free. They pay all of his utilities. But his salary is one dollar a year. His wife works full time. And he 
does this because he loves his brain. And I'm really keen behind the church because he's struggling to stay open. And God's allowing him to be there. You know another pastor? Ten minutes from him. I'm not Gary. Ten minutes from him. Who? This guy's had more schemes. I have used cars, fixed them up a little bit to make more money and sell of this and buy this. Always in the sun. Get rich quick schemes. He's in another one right now. I can't even tell you what it is. I won't even look at his posts on Facebook. And he's a senior pastor at church. But he doesn't post godly stuff. He posts about his He's one, and we set pretty all kinds of noise. He's not qualified to be a pastor because his focus is not on serving God and getting the word of God out. Number 11, an elder must be patient or be gentle. He's reasonable. He should be a reasonable man. Someone you can talk to with reason. One of the qualifications. Not quarrelsome. Uh, shouldn't be contentious. Someone who's heard constantly stirring up trouble. Should never be in a position to make a decision. You always try to stir that pot for positive things in the trouble. Not covetous. It refers to the love of money. But it suggests more than just the love of money. It suggests idolatry, actually worshiping the money. Uh, not me. This is someone who their whole pursuit in life is to get ahead and become a And we've seen them. On TV. No, it's the big car or the big house. You know what? I don't need a big car. Got a big one for me. I don't need a big house. I don't need all the stuff I have. You saw on Facebook that trailer coming out. We're Chapter 3, verse 4, says, One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission 